It's time to eat. Get in my belly! Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Evan Silva. Me so hungry. On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast presented by BetOnline.ag, the online gaming website of choice. For the Fantasy Feast podcast, they've got the best odds, they got the fastest payouts, and they post their odds first, and you get a discount, a welcome bonus when you use the code Big Feast, like my man Evan Silva did. Evan is never afraid to take advantage of a little free cashola. Evan, of course, is the Roto World superstar, and the main reason why you guys come here to listen to this podcast. I am merely Ross Tucker, the former NFL offensive lineman at Ross Tucker NFL on Twitter and Instagram. Evan is at Evan Silva. And last week, we went through numbers 50 through 26 on Evan's rookie dynasty rankings, which are really important whether you listen, whether you play dynasty or not, to have an idea of who these guys are and what we think of them initially. Now 1 through 25 is more of the big boys that you'll be drafting in season-long, best ball, etc. Uh, speaking of best ball, you can go to draft and use the code ROSS, the draft app or draft.com. Use the code ROSS for free entry with your deposit, which is pretty awesome. Almost as awesome as Evan's top 25. Let's do it. Number 25, as we do 1 through 25, you've got Ito Smith. Yeah, another smaller back, 5'9", 201, was not invited to the combine. When he went to his pro day, crushed it. Um, he is Southern Miss's all-time leader in yards from scrimmage. And he went to a landing spot in Atlanta where... Tevin Coleman, his contract is up after this year. This is Tevin Coleman's contract year. Um, I liked Ido Smith because he's, you know, he, he's small, but he can break tackles. He did a lot of work after contact. He ran four four five again at the Southern Miss Pro Day. 140 receptions in his college career. We want guys that can be versatile. Uh, and you know, this past year, Devontae Freeman had some injury issues. He suffered a, a preseason concussion, uh, and then he missed, and then he suffered another concussion during the year, and he missed two games. He missed weeks 11 and 12, and then he ended the season with MCL and PCL injuries. He played through it, but he was very ineffective, averaged 2.6 yards per carry over his final four games. And then uh, last week, Devontae Freeman was asked how his health was, and he said he's not 100% still. So I'm not saying, you know, I'm not trying to, I've been drafting Devontae Freeman in my best ball leagues, et cetera, but it just kind of goes to show you that these guys are not by any means guaranteed uh, good health, and things can change quickly, and Ido Smith could get an opportunity before any of us expect in a good offense, and he's shown the ability uh, to play in the passing game. So a lot of positive indicators for Ito Smith. 24, Jamon Moore. Jamon Moore. I was very, you know, surprised 
to see in early drafts, early rookie drafts, Equanimius St. Brown going ahead of Jamon Moore. First of all, I think it's a slight to Jamon Moore's talent because I think that Jamon Moore is a legit talent. I remember I had not watched him before the draft until I heard uh, Greg Cosell talking about him. And I was like, well, I, I definitely got to go watch him now. And I did. And I was like, I, you know, th- this guy is as talented as any receiver in the class. He, he really is. Uh, he was a, a vertical stretcher at Mizzou, 6'3", 207, averaged almost 16 yards per catch, ran 4'4", 9, 38-inch vertical. You know, th- this is the kind of guy that if you hit on in the second or third round of your dynasty rookie draft, and he's, you know, he's been going like third and fourth round, in a lot of early dynasty rookie drafts, he can be a huge difference maker for you because he has a chance to play with Aaron Rodgers. And you look at their depth chart right now. I mean, Randall Cobb, he's year to year with this contract. There's no guaranteed money left. Uh, Devontae Adams is locked in, although he has had concussion problem. Their number three right now is Geronimo Allison. And I don't think that he's insurmountable. By any means, I think that Jamon Moore is absolutely more talented than Geronimo Allison. Uh, so I, the Packers took Jamon Moore before Equanimia St. Brown, before Marquez Valdez-Scantling, uh, and I think that he's got, he is the best bet to become uh, the Packers' number three or even number two receiver uh, within the next two years. Let's get to the number one pick, Evan. Baker Mayfield, you have him at 23. Yeah, and again, you know, people should be moving up the quarterbacks if quarterbacks are more valued in their specific dynasty league type. Uh, for me, they are not in my in my draft, so that's how I do my rankings. Um, but Baker Mayfield is, you know, well ahead of Josh Allen, well ahead of Sam Darnold, and well ahead of uh, Josh Rosen in large part because of his rushing ability. He scored 21 rushing touchdowns at Oklahoma. He's a good athlete. You know, he's got a little bit of that Jeff Garcia uh, running ability to him. Uh, And then you look at his weapons, man. You know, if he gets on the field as a rookie, and I think that he probably will, it's just a matter of time. The Browns have a really tough schedule. Warren Sharp has them with the ninth toughest schedule in the NFL. If he gets on the field, I think he could be productive and be a fantasy starter in, in year one. Uh, you got Josh Gordon, Jarvis Landry, Antonio Callaway, David Njoku. I mean, that's a pretty good-looking, um, you know, pass catcher core in Cleveland. Baker Mayfield was super, super efficient uh, at Oklahoma. One of the, the one of the most efficient quarterbacks in college football history. I, I you know, in terms of like, I think that if you were going to set probability for quarterbacks to be successes i think that josh rosen and sam darnold might be a little bit higher but i think that baker mayfield gives you more upside than those guys because of his all-around game and because of his accuracy Could do an interesting running back kalen balaj from arizona state yeah now here's a guy that depending on which game you watched you might think he's awesome or you might think he's you know, looks like Tarzan, plays like Jane. Uh, you know, that he's that kind of a guy. He's the, these guys that have appear to have all the tools and then just don't put it into production 
those guys are always scary. But Kalen Balage, he's 6'2", 228. He ran 4'4", 6", coming out of Arizona State. He had 82 catches in college. Um, you know, at times I thought, like, the guy could play, like, slot receiver. I mean, he was that good of a receiver. He, at the, you know, I don't think he's ever going to be a big bell cow workhorse back. He never averaged more than 14 touches per game at Arizona State. Uh, but then if you look at the, the Dolphins' depth chart right now, you got Frank Gore on that one-year essentially minimum deal. And then you have uh, Kenyon Drake, who never had more than 92 carries in a college season. And, uh, has, you know, his, his most carries, Kenyon Drake, over the last six years, including Alabama's 133, which he had last year for the Dolphins. Now, I'm not diminishing Kenyon Drake. I've been drafting him in best ball leagues as well, and I will continue to. But I just want, you know, it's, it's, I think it's important to look at the potential range of outcomes. Kenyon Drake might just not be a full-time back. I don't think that should surprise anyone if he wasn't. And Kalen Balash has real talent. I think he's got a better chance to be – he's got a chance to be a better pro than, than, he, than he was in college. Number 21, Antonio Callaway with the Browns talented but major issues off the field. Yeah, Browns went and traded up for him too. So they have some kind of conviction in Antonio Callaway. Man, this guy has like – he looks like Santonio Holmes. Um, I mean, he is, he's you know, smaller, but he is super explosive. I mean, can create a ton of separation, ran 4-4-1 coming out. He didn't even play football last year. Uh, he's gotten in trouble for drugs, credit card fraud. He failed a drug test at the Combine. You know, just all kinds of red flags on Antonio Callaway. But, you know, hey, John Dorsey hit on Tyreek Hill. Uh, in Kansas City, and I think he's hoping that Antonio Callaway can become his next Tyreek Hill. Uh, the you know, in terms of opportunity, I, I love Josh Gordon, and I, I think that it's likelier than not that he comes that that he's going to be out there this year. But I don't think that you could say that that's anything close to a lock. Jarvis Landry is, is definitely going to be in Cleveland uh, for a long time because they locked him up. Other than that, you know, Corey Coleman, I mean, they could trade him before the season. You know, he, he could be out the door. So there there are definitely avenues for Antonio Callaway to uh, get opportunity, and then it's going to be up to him. I mean, it's going to be up to Antonio Callaway how good he's going to be in, um, you know, in real life, in, in fantasy, et cetera, and uh, that's kind of out of our hands. But I think that he's worth it here at, at number 21. I was curious to see where you'd rank Lamar Jackson. You have him at 20. Yeah, he's my quarterback one. I had Deshaun Watson as the quarterback one last year, albeit with much less conviction uh, than uh, I do for Lamar Jackson. I, I, I feel pretty good about having Lamar Jackson as the quarterback one. Now, Ray Summerlin on Roto World, excellent analyst, he did – Dynasty rookie rankings on rotoworld.com. I think he's got Lamar Jackson at number four. He's got Baker Mayfield at number one. So you can definitely shuffle them, uh, you know, however you, you kind of please. But for me, what I want from my quarterback, especially in a dynasty league, because again, I play in these dynasty leagues where quarterback is just replacement level production. You know, it's easy to replace quarterback production. So what I really want from my quarterback is a guy who's going to tilt weeks in my favor and win me weeks. 
Lamar Jackson more so than any of the other quarterbacks, even if he's not as good of a prospect as Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, or Baker Mayfield. He's the guy who's got a chance to tilt weeks. He scored 50 career rushing touchdowns. He averaged seven yards per carry in 2017. Um, you look at the coaching staff in Baltimore. Marty Morningweg worked with Michael Vick in Philly. Uh, he's the Ravens OC. And the Ravens assistant coach offense slash offensive line, Greg Roman, who had a big hand in their offensive philosophy last year. Uh, he is also on staff. He's worked with Colin Kaepernick and Tyrod Taylor. Uh, you know, a couple more uh, dual threat quarterbacks. So they, they know how to design an offense for a dual threat quarterback. And that's what Lamar Jackson is probably going to need. Uh, but man, if he hits, he's got monster upside. And I think that he could see the field sooner than people anticipate. Joe Flacco is already not happy with uh, the, Lamar, the Lamar Jackson pick. Apparently they have not spoken um, since Lamar Jackson was drafted. Number 19, Naeem Hines, the running back from NC State. Yeah, now I've seen Naeem Hines go a lot higher than this in early rookie drafts. Um, so I think that that's notable. I mean, I've seen him go right around the first round, which would be the first round turn, which would be like picks 11 through 13. I have him at 19 here. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I don't think he projects as a bell cow back, but I do think he's got some Deion Lewis type of, you know, he's got that kind of potential. He's 5'8", 198. He was an all ACC sprinter at NC State. He ran 4'3", 8 coming out. Three career return TDs. Love seeing the, the offensive skill position players with uh, return background. Just shows that they're good with the ball in their hands. And often they were they were valuable on offense. So it's like, well, why would the team put him in, in harm's way on special teams? Well, guess what? Because they're freaking awesome. So Naheem Hines, I like to see that about him. 89 career catches. He played slot receiver and running back at times at NC State. Uh, he's, you know, bump him up if you are a full PPR dynasty league. I think, I think you can, you can bump him up a few spots. Um, and most are, yeah, all my dynasty leagues are full PPR. Um, so I don't know. It's just, he, he's a guy that it's not real clear what position he's going to play. The, the, the running back depth chart in Indy is kind of, you know, just kind of all up for grabs. You got Marlon Mack, you got Jordan Wilkins, you got Naheem Hines, you got Robert Turbin. Not a lot of clarity, uh, but this this guy could be an impact pass catching running back and or slot receiver in the NFL. Number eighteen, a guy I saw a lot of Mike Gesicki at Penn State. Feels like he fell into a pretty good situation there in Miami. I agree with that because he can jump right in, and he can be an impact player from day one. Because you look at their. You know, their, their tight end depth chart, but besides Mike Jasicki, uh, they actually did draft a blocking tight end a little bit later on. But it's, you know, it's Marquise Gray, you know, a guy who has bounced around the NFL. Mike Jasicki should be able to get on the field right away and see like 60 targets as a rookie. And if he catches 40 for, you know, 580 yards, because I think he's going to average a lot of yards per catch because of his athleticism, and he scores four or five touchdowns. He's going to be a, a factor in fantasy in year one. He's a freak athlete. Um, he, he was a great high school volleyball and basketball player. Can't block a lick. 
uh, but he's got 34 and, and an 8-inch arms. Uh, and I think he's got that easy path to rookie targets where, you know, if you're in a deeper dynasty league, he could be a starter. I'm, I'm in plenty of dynasty leagues where this guy could easily end up being a weekly starter for me as like a, a deeper flex or a second tight end. Number 17, James Washington. And I'll say, Evan, what I tweeted as soon as the Steelers took him in the second round. I don't know a ton about him. I saw him catch a lot of balls from Mason Rudolph. But if the Steelers drafted him and he's a receiver, you should probably try to get him on your fantasy, on, on your dynasty team. Yeah, I went back and I looked. Last 10 years, Steelers wide receiver draft history. Mike Wallace, third round. Antonio Brown, sixth round. Emmanuel Sanders, third round. Martavis, fourth round. Juju, second round. So they have been excellent at drafting receivers. Now, they haven't been perfect. You know, they took uh, Sammy Coates, third round. Uh, Marcus Wheaton, third round. Lima Swede, second round. They haven't been perfect, but... No team in the NFL over the last 10 years has been able to pick up that kind of wide receiver talent, you know, on, on the cheap four- and five-year rookie deals as the Steelers. Uh, so I totally agree with you. And there are really strong indications, you know, really strong indicators for James Washington. Really want to see production from, from our receivers. I mean, the guys who produce at the college level, they're – chances of hitting are much stronger than the guys who don't, you know, and James Washington, did he rip at the combine? No. Ran four, five, four, you know, his three cone wasn't particularly good. He kind of looks, he's a weird looking wide receiver. He's five eleven, two thirteen. He's kind of built like a running back, but he won. And he's, uh, he's the second most prolific pass catcher in big 12 history. Second most receiving yards in big 12 history. And he, he's got an immediate path to opportunity because um, you, you have Antonio Brown, you have Juju Smith-Schuster, but they traded Martavis Bryant. And James Washington, uh, as with the 60th pick in the draft, he can jump right into that Martavis Bryant role. He can win downfield even though he doesn't have that, you know, that sprinter track speed. But he won a lot downfield with Mason Rudolph, who was one of the best vertical passers in college football the past several seasons um, I think he can be an immediate impact guy who you know can be a factor and a guy that you can start in year one um, and I think that long term uh, you know the upside is kind of limited AB and Juju are there uh, with long-term contracts and we don't know you know Ben is, is still pretty much year to year even though he's say, saying that he's going to play three to five more years uh, but it, all in all it's a good landing spot for James Washington and I think that he can be a factor sooner rather than later. Let's get to Cortland Sutton at 16, who the Broncos took. Yeah, I thought that he could be a, an Alshon Jeffrey type of player, not a run-after-catch guy, not a separation guy, a big receiver who wins in the contested game. He's got a basketball background. He played some basketball, actually, at SMU. He was an he had a great combine. He's the number four spark athlete uh, in this wide receiver class. Um, the opportunity is the question mark here. You know, um, we got Demarius and Emmanuel Sanders and Deshaun Hamilton and Carlos Henderson and Cortland Sutton. It's it's a lot to sort through. I think that, you know, if the Broncos were to trade or, or cut 
a receiver before the season that would help. It would add some clarity, but I don't think they're going to do that. I think they're going to try to hang on to all these guys, maybe with the exception of Cortland or uh, Carlos Henderson, uh, at least for this year. Uh, and, you know, it's just a matter of things are going to have to break right kind of for, for, for Cortland Sutton to make a, a, a huge impact. And then you have quarterback uncertainty as well. I mean, I, I like Case Keenum plenty, but is he the long-term solution? The Broncos show that they don't really know. You know, they signed him to a deal similar to what Mike Glennon got last offseason. So, um, you know, not, not a lot of clarity there. And that's why Cortland Sutton is down a little bit ways. But I think that he, you know, down the rankings at number 16. But I do think that he has a lot of number, some number one wide receiver qualities in terms of his skill set. Let's get to 15, Jordan Wilkins. Yeah, Jordan Wilkins, you know, He's been going even higher than this. This felt high for me to put him here, but I've been seeing where he's been going. And he's been going around the first-round turn in Dynasty rookie drafts. He was the number 169 pick in the draft. He was not a high selection. He did show plus versatility. Uh, He only had 155 carries his final season uh, at Ole Miss, but he was very productive. I mean, almost seven yards per carry. Uh, for his career, he averaged 6.3 yards per carry. He bombed the combine. He goes to the combine, he runs 4.71. But then he goes to his pro day, he runs 4.53. I think that that's a better gauge. I don't know. You know, some, sometimes people just have bad days. And I think that Jordan Wilkins might have just had a bad day. There were also uh, some word that he had a hamstring injury during the combine. But his, his pro day athletic numbers were pretty good. He's 6'1, 216. So he's got feature back build. You look at the depth chart in Indianapolis, Jordan Wilkins could be starting in year one. I mean, Marlon Mack showed enough, I think, as a rookie that I think he'll have a role, but he's also going to miss the entire offseason due to shoulder surgery. So that's going to give Jordan Wilkins a ton of opportunity. And then, you know, to just to impress the coaches, and then you look at Naheem Hines, he's more of like a slot receiver, um, you know, rotational, maybe passing down back. And Jordan Wilkins is the guy who has more of a feature back skill set. So, man, you know, it, it, it doesn't, doesn't feel right to put a guy drafted as late as Jordan Wilkins was in the top 15, but I think it's the right move. I mean, this guy has a chance to be the starting running back in year one in an Andrew Luck, hopefully, quarterbacked offense. Now we're starting to get to some of the guys that your top 14 has a lot more of the guys that we think have a chance to really do things. What about Anthony Miller at 14? Yeah, I love Anthony Miller. Um, He was one of the receivers that I really liked, uh, really fell in love with. The more I watched him, the more I learned about him over the course of the pre-draft season. Uh, I think that he's got Sterling Shepard plus kind of skills. Uh, he's a technician, a slot receiver, uh, amazing short area quickness. I mean, so he suffered a Liz Frank injury in Memphis's bowl game, and he was unable to participate in any of the stuff before the draft. He had a late pro day. He goes to his pro day, 6.65 second three cone, which is just ridiculous. Now, he only ran four or five flat. He's not necessarily like a vertical slot receiver like Kiki Kuti. Uh, but he is a guy that 
is going to win on his routes because of how quick he is in a short area. 39-inch vertical. He's a good athlete despite that unideal 40 time. And, you know, we haven't seen Allen Robinson play well since 2015. Um, we like Trey Burton, but we don't know for sure if he's going to be, you know, a, a high-volume receiving tight end for the Bears. They do still have Adam Shaheen there. I mean, I, I think it's not crazy to think that Anthony Miller, we can look back in a couple of years, and Anthony Miller is the Bears' best receiver. Uh, the Bears wanted him badly because they gave up a fourth-round pick, an, an earlier fourth-round pick, in the 2018 draft and a 2019 second to get back into the second round in a deal with the Patriots to go get Miller at uh, 51, I believe it was. So they loved him. I, I really like him, man. I think it's it's not crazy to think that he could end up being the, the Bears' best receiver uh, when we look back in a couple of years. How about Dante Pettis, who the Niners evidently really wanted and took with some bigger name wide receivers still on the board. Yeah, they they fell in love with this guy because they traded up for him at number forty four. Dante Pettis, um, I think Matt Waldman, uh, who we've had on the show a couple of times, um, and is just you know one of the the best uh, draft analysts and and scouting guys that there is. He has Dante Pettis as his uh, wide receiver one in the entire class. He has him above, you know, Cortland Sim, uh, Sutton and Calvin Ridley and, and everybody. So I thought that that was uh, really interesting. And then you see the 49ers go get him, and he's going to be locked in long-term with Jimmy G. And he scored nine punt return touchdowns in college. You know, you go back and look at receivers who've had a lot of success in the NFL. So many of them were dominant return guys in college. Antonio Brown, T.Y. Hilton, Odell Beckham. You know, Des Bryant was an unbelievable return man at Oklahoma State. So I love to see that on Dante Pettis' resume. Uh, he's considered to be one of the better route runners in this draft. Ran 4.47 with a very strong 6.873 cone. You look at the depth chart and it's like, where, where does he fit in, you know, in the short term? He's got Pierre Garçon. He will be the X receiver. Marquise Goodwin, he's the vertical Z receiver. And Trent Taylor, who I thought had a very good rookie season, you know, I think Dante Pettis could immediately usurp Trent Taylor. I think that that's in play. Or he could just be the number four uh, in year one and take over uh, after uh, in his second year, maybe at X receiver and replace Pierre Garçon. Pierre Garçon is not young. They just locked up Marquise Goodwin. Um, I, I don't know about the short-term opportunity, but I really, really love the landing spot and Dante Pettis is a guy who I think was, was one of the biggest risers during the draft. And we have him here at number 13, right outside the first round. How about Michael Gallup with the Cowboys? Jerry Jones says he already has a week one role. That's nice. Yeah. I wonder, do you think he asked Jason Garrett or, or Linehan or Jerry's just like, no, no, no. Um, Michael Gallup, number 81 pick destroyed two years at, at Colorado State. I mean, he, he wrecked it. He's another technician. You look at the best receivers in the NFL these days, they're not necessarily all the Julio prototypes. They're technicians. Antonio Brown, you know, 
DeAndre Hopkins. Those guys didn't set the world on fire. Keenan Allen. Those guys did not set the world on fire at their pro days and combines before their their draft. They're winning in the technical game. They're winning with routes. They're winning with you know the the subtle moves and the nuances and the the physicality. You know they're 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 not necessarily huge guys, but they know how to use their hands and, and all that. And I think that Michael Gallup kind of falls you know not not to the extent of DeAndre Hopkins or Keenan Allen, but he's kind of on that spectrum. When I watched him play, he reminded me a lot of Donald Driver, uh, the old Packers receiver. Uh, great run after catch. Um, and then you look at the, the opportunity, and it's it's abundant in Dallas. You know, his competition for targets and snaps and playing time, Alan Hearns, who just got cut by the Jaguars, Cole Beasley, who you know, I think could get cut next year if he doesn't turn it around. He hasn't been effective since... He had a hamstring injury in November of 2016. And Terrence Williams, your guy Terrence Williams, Ross, you know, he's he's kind of a jag. So I think that Michael Gallup, we talked a lot last year about how Cooper Cup could jump right into a huge role with the Rams, maybe even lead him in targets. He did lead the Rams in targets. I think that Michael Gallup has a chance to be this year's Cooper Cup. Number tw- 11, Calvin Ridley. Yeah, he's not a perfect prospect uh, in terms of his age, his size. Uh, he's a little older. Uh, he did dominate as a true freshman, though, at Alabama. That was actually his best season statistically. He had to dealt, deal with just atrocious quarterback play at Alabama. So going to play with a guy like Matt Ryan is going to be a breath of fresh air for Calvin Ridley, and I, I think that he has a chance to kind of kind of explode, not necessarily in terms of the box score, but in terms of the flashes and the plays that he makes with his opportunities, because I don't think he's going to jump into a hundred target role right away. You got Julio there. You got um, Austin Hooper in his third year. You got Muhammad Sanu. Um, and the, the running backs can certainly play in the passing game. Devontae Freeman, Tevin Coleman, and Ido Smith. You know, the, the, target, the targets are not there on, on a sheet of paper right now. Now a guy gets hurt, that can change. And guys get hurt all the time in the NFL, unfortunately. But it's a reality that we have to always, you know, bake into our expectations. I think Calvin Ridley is going to be a really good pro. Um, he's a great route runner. He his measurables fit the kind of receiver that uh, can be can have an early impact. Uh, he had a great three-cone time. He ran 4-4-3. Man, I, I think that when he gets with a, a, an accurate quarterback, it's going to be like just a, the, the light is going to kind of go on for him, and he's going to make some really explosive plays, and he's going to be a, a guy that people really start to get excited about. Number 10, Christian Kirk, the wide receiver from Arizona who went to Arizona. Yep, 47th pick in the draft, ran 4-4-5 coming out, seven return TDs, so another guy that uh, checks that return game box, just really good uh, with the ball in his hands, dominated in the SEC. I think he's a guy who can grow with Josh Rosen. I think that in year one he's going to start, he's going to play outside receiver, Larry Fitzgerald's going to ball hog in the middle of the field, and Christian Kirk's probably not going to tear it up as a rookie. But I think he's a guy that, kind of like Cooper Cup, is going to grow with Jared Goff. Christian Kirk is going to grow with Josh Rosen. 
and by year two, I, I don't think we're going to get more than another year out of Larry Fitz. By year two, Christian Kirk is the Cardinal slot receiver, um, and you know playing that that Keenan Allen role under Mike McCoy, the ex Chargers OC, uh, and I think that Christian Kirk is going to be. I think he's actually worth drafting late in best ball drafts right now, uh, but next year I think I think he's going to explode and he's going to be a major asset, especially in PPR leagues, as a guy who can be a really high volume pass catcher. What about DJ Moore, Steve Smith's spirit animal, going to Carolina? You have number nine. Yeah, I mean he was my favorite receiver before the draft. He went to. A pretty good landing spot. Um, Devin Funches is in a contract year. Devin Funches has not been a consistent producer by any means uh, during his career. DJ Moore really broke out last year. He was the Big Ten wide receiver of the year. Second best spark score among all wide receivers in this draft. Um, Olsen's getting old. Funches could be gone after this year. I think that DJ Moore, in terms of skill set, is a Golden Tate slash Pierre Garçon type player. Uh, and I think that, uh, I mean, I, it wouldn't surprise me if he leads, if he gets more targets in year one than Devin Funches. He's absolutely a guy that you can draft and redraft or in best ball, uh, and he and he gives you a good shot. And I think that by 2019, he could easily be uh, the, the Panthers' clear number one. Let's get to some running backs now, and lots of them. Number yep. eight, on Johnson. These are basically the running backs that, got drafted high, and you think have a pretty good opportunity. Carry on Johnson, who the Lions traded up for. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it wasn't a very good wide receiver class. You know, DJ Moore was my my wide receiver one. I don't want to diminish him, but he doesn't, you know, again, I, my comparison is Golden Tate, Pierre Garçon, and that's not, it's not necessarily, you know, reflective of a great receiver class, and it wasn't a great receiver class, and that was also reflected in where guys were drafted the top eight picks are going to be running backs. Carry uh, on Johnson. He goes to Detroit. It's a good landing spot, sort of, you know, kind of if you squint, but if you, you know, zoom out and look at who else is on the depth chart, Theo Riddick siphons the passing game work, LeGarrette Blunt siphons the goal line work. Now you can say, oh, well, LeGarrette Blunt, he could be gone after this year. I, I understand that. Um, Running backs are year-to-year propositions. They get hurt. A lot of them just don't turn out as good as we expect them to be. I thought that Carrion Johnson was a solid, not great prospect. I didn't think he'd be a top 45 pick. The Lions traded up to get him at 43. Um, so he gets immediate opportunity, but it's not necessarily super fantasy-friendly opportunity because when you're losing passing game work to Theo Riddick and you're losing goal line carries to LeGarrette Blunt. You know, I, I don't want on my fantasy team a bunch of weeks with 14 carries for 67 yards and no touchdowns and one catch for eight yards. You know, that I don't want that. So that's why he's at number eight. Um, but I do like that the Lions really, really are into him. And I like that he's going to get immediate opportunity. I'm just kind of skeptical at how, how valuable that opportunity is going to be. And to be honest, I'm kind of skeptical of the player. I didn't think that Kerryon Johnson deserved to be a top 45 draft pick. Let's get to seven, Ronald Jones. Do you think he deserved to be drafted that high? No, no. Um, I, you know, he was a poor man's Tevin Coleman, a Felix Jones type of back to me, you know, one trick pony, long speed burner has never played in the passing game. 
Uh, didn't play in the passing game in high school. Didn't play in the passing game at USC. Wasn't a good pass blocker. Only 205 pounds. I thought that the Jamal Charles comparisons were ridiculous. With all that said, you know, he's the 38th pick in the draft. He's going to get immediate opportunity in a Bucks offense where the next best running back is Peyton Barber. And they have a lot of explosiveness in the passing game. And they could get a lot of, you know, they, they could score a lot of points. And so Ronald Jones is kind of a conundrum because I do like his opportunity. And I do like his situation. And I didn't love him as a player. But I'm at the same time, I'm also very aware that I'm wrong all the time about prospect evaluation. So that really kind of fades for me. And that's why I have Ronald Jones as a top seven pick here uh, because I'm really chasing the offense. I'm, he does have explosive ability. He's got a, a trump card um, and he's got the opportunity. And I like all those things. Number six, Royce Freeman. John Elway wanted a banger and he got it. Yeah. And Royce Freeman was another guy that I didn't really love when I watched him play. You know, I'm going to be wrong about these guys. I think you could shuffle Royce Freeman and Ronald Jones in particular any way that you want. Uh, But he does have the opportunity. He's the 71st pick in the draft. John Elway has already talked about using him on early downs. When I watched him play, I thought he was like Zach Stacy, Robert Turbin. But his measurables, you look at him on paper, he's 6'0", 229. He looks like Steven Jackson in terms of his measurables. His production might have been just something that I was missing uh, when watching him, uh, although Josh Norris agreed with me. Uh, but hes I, I, it, he looks like he's going to be a day-one starter. He's got a lot of wear on his tires, though. And I know Greg Cosell has talked about that, how he thought that maybe he's already starting to break down because of all that wear and tear. Um, but I think that he, he should be refreshed entering the NFL. He's going to get a, in, into a better weight program, all that. Um, and he can be an immediate contributor in fantasy. I mean, in fantasy, he's like a middle-round pick already in redraft leagues, and I think that that's deserved. Number five, Nick Chubb to to Cleveland. Yeah, so he's the total opposite of Carrion Johnson. I'm, I'm betting on talent with Nick Chubb. You know, whereas with Carrion Johnson, I, I don't really necessarily have great hopes for him in terms of his skills. Nick Chubb is has a chance to be a really, really good back in the NFL. I think, um, you know, one of the best inside-outside running backs in the NFL uh, in in this draft. Five eleven, two twenty-seven, ran four five two, crazy speed score. Uh, he reminded me of Jonathan Stewart in his prime, um, who reminded me at times of Jamal Lewis. Um, you know, I think that Nick Chubb has a great, great upside. But he's also at the opposite of Carrion Johnson because of the opportunity. Uh, because Carrion Johnson does have some opportunity, but you know, for Nick Chubb, it's like much much harder to decipher how is this going to go. The Browns just made Carlos Hyde one of the ten highest paid running backs in the league. They have Duke Johnson there to siphon away passing game work. So it's like, how is it going to shake out? This is a bet on talent ranking with Nick Chubb at number five. Number four, Sony Michelle to the Patriots. You called it. Number 31 pick in the draft. It was an unpatriot-like pick. I mean, it really, I wouldn't have expected them, you know, unless I, if I hadn't pieced together the, the, um, you know, dot or uh, connected the dots before the draft, I really wouldn't have expected them in general to use a first round pick 
on a running back. That's not a very Patriot-like thing to do. But the fact that they did do that when it was unpatriot-like, I think is a good sign, a good indicator for Sony Michelle how much they love him. He also had fumbling problems in college, which is something that we're going to have to pay attention to. We, we've seen you know, time and again how running backs fumble with the Patriots, whether it be Stephen Ridley, Mike Gillisley, you know, Lawrence Maroney, and they, they, they go away. We don't, we don't hear from them uh, for a long, long time after they fumble. Uh, but the Patriots kn- knew that about Sony Michelle, and they probably think that they can work with him. And that's shown to be a fixable problem anyways uh, in the NFL. Sony Michelle averaged almost eight yards per carry as a senior at Georgia. He was a good pass blocking back in college. Um, I think that he can play in the passing game. He's going to share immediately with Rex Burkhead and James White. So you can't expect big time bell cow usage. That's not how the Patriots use their back end, their backs anyways. Um, but man, he's got a lot of touchdown potential. Patriots every year are they lead the NFL in rushing touchdowns. And that's why it's become like a market inefficiency to exploit that people always want to avoid the Patriots running backs. So you get them real late in drafts or you can get them off the waiver wire and they're, they're league winners. I mean, Rex Burkhead was a week winner uh, in many weeks last year, scored eight touchdowns in 10 games. Dion Lewis. I mean, wherever I had him, I was winning leagues uh, last year. And then the year before that, LeGarrette Blunt was a league winner and people just always get afraid of that running back by committee and, you know, people that are able to kind of see, you know, look, look, look beyond that, that, and just realize that there is so much fantasy production to be had in that offense. You can really get an edge on your opponent. Uh, and Sony Michelle, he went to a really landing spot where he's going to have a chance to score a lot of touchdowns. Number two, Rashad Penny. The Seahawks loved him. We skipped Darius Geis at number three. Oh, oh my gosh. You know why? Because I was thinking Darius. Okay, Darius Geis, three. We love his talent. Obviously, it's a good situation in Washington, and we'll find out if the, the all these off-field things end up making a difference. Yeah. Um, when I watched him play, he reminded me of Zeke Elliott. Uh, I mean, I think he's that good of a runner. Not as experienced in the passing game. Slipped to 59 due to just some kind of like murky uh, off-field stuff. I don't really understand it. Uh, he's a, a he's a bell cow back, I think. He's going to lose passing game work to Chris Thompson uh, for sure. But Chris Thompson also has not shown the ability to stay healthy. Uh, but Darius Geis went into a position where he's going to have a chance to score a lot of touchdowns. He's a really, really good runner, man. And if the Redskins can ever keep that offensive line healthy they have a good offensive line it's just the guys they all got hurt um and if they can get some better injury luck from their offensive line i think they're going to have an underrated offense this year and darius geist is going to have a chance to score like eight to ten touchdowns in year one i love the idea too of alex smith pulling the ball every once in a while and just having that that element to hold the backside defensive end backside defender now let's get to Rashad Penny in Seattle yeah speak of you know speaking of pulling the ball I mean you're gonna have that effect with uh Russell Wilson as well for Rashad Penny unfortunately the offensive line is just like what are they doing you know they 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 have no commitment to I mean they they try they've tried they've used a lot of draft picks 
They didn't this year, though, and, and they were just like, you know, we're not going to use draft picks to fix the offensive line. We're going to address running back. So they took Rashad Penny at number 27. They even said they considered taking him at 18. Uh, when I watched him play before the draft, he reminded me of Carlos Hyde as a runner. I don't know about him in the passing game. He had 19 catches in his highest volume receiving season uh, last year. 5'11", 220, ran 4'4", 6", incredible speed score. Averaged seven and a half yards per carry in his career at San Diego State. Eight return TDs. So another guy who checks that return game box. He really is ticketed for 300 touches in year one. And yes, do you have concerns about the O-line? Absolutely. You know, but it's really hard to pass on a guy, you know, bypass a guy like this who is in line for so much, uh, so high of a workload right off the bat. Um, you know, and they, they're even talking about using him in the passing game, whereas Darius Geis has to deal with Chris Thompson in the passing game. The Seahawks will want to use Rashad Penny on third down. Let's get to number one, Saquon Barkley. Is there a whole lot that needs to be said here? No, there's not. Um, he's got a chance to be the the rare running back that plays every snap in a game. There are only a few of those in the NFL. Todd Gurley, Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson. Ezekiel Elliott gets close, but he doesn't usually get there. But David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley. I mean, I think that Sa- Saquon Barkley has a chance to be in that group right away, you know, as a rookie. And that's really all you need to know, man, because he's so good in every facet of the game. You know, is he a perfect inside runner? I I don't think so. I don't think it's going to be detrimental to his career. I think he's going to be, you know, if used correctly, he's a guy who should be getting 270 carries and 70 catches every single year. And those those kind of players have immense, immense value in, in fantasy football. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to, as we move along, just hearing where you have him, period. You know, where you have him total yeah. for for season-long drafts. Should be awesome. Evan, terrific, terrific series, as always. Okay, Evan, it is time for this week's MFL 10 giveaway. Bobby Scholl. Bobby. I don't know if it's a Bobby a boy or Bobby a girl. I think it's B-O-B-B-I. At any rate, Bobby, you are the winner of the MFL 10 giveaway. I think he took advantage of betonline.ag, sent us the confirmation. Boom, it's that easy to win an extra free $10 there with the MFL 10 giveaway. So congratulations, Bobby. Congratulations to any of you that keep winning these MFL 10 giveaways as we go along. It's the easiest thing in the world. You just take advantage of any of our sponsors like betonline.ag or like the draft app using the code ROSS. And boom, next thing you know, I'll be announcing your name on the show for a free $10 entry over to MFL 10. Other than that, Evan was awesome. Top 25 was very, very cool to get his breakdowns of those guys, especially all the running backs. It was like top seven or eight guys, all running backs. Not a big surprise given the nature of that position and the nature of fantasy football. I'm going to stop talking now because this was already a meaty, meaty fantasy feast eaten podcast. Certainly check out all the other shows we got for you at RossTucker.com or just check it out on your podcast app, whatever one you use. You know you got even money for gambling. College draft as we're breaking down these prospects by division. Ross Tucker football podcast. And for those of you 
that consider yourselves amateur uh, front office execs, Andrew Brandt on the Business of Sports podcast. I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, and the College Draft podcast, all available on iTunes at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts can be found.